How much you want to bet Matthew Stafford gets his second Super Bowl ring next year? Or that Gonzaga goes all the way in this year's March Madness? What about the Kentucky Derby? I hear Happy Jack is looking good this year. Can I interest you in that action? What if I give you four to one odds? All right, all right, all right. How about a same-game parlay in the final four? No? Come on, you bought Super Bowl squares this year, didn't you? Just 50 bucks. All right, 20. 10? You gotta give me something. All right, all right, all right. See, the answer is no, but maybe you'll change your mind. Can I ask you again in five minutes? If you're like many Michiganders, this can be the experience watching a simple football or basketball game these days. Ever since Michigan became the 15th state in the nation to legalize sports gambling in 2020, ads for sports books, casinos, and online gambling apps have exploded. It's the latest vice to grip the state. No pun intended. But I don't need to tell you that. In fact, you're probably picturing one of those ads right now, aren't you? Maybe you've even partaken in a little action. After all, March Madness brackets, fantasy football, and Super Bowl parties have been a staple in American households for years. Sports gambling isn't new, even if it is everywhere now. Internet casino gaming and sports betting operators in Michigan reported a combined $155.92 million in revenue in January of 2022, with online sportsbooks setting a new monthly record with $496.9 million in wagers. In total, $1.4 billion was gambled in internet casinos, poker, and sports gambling in 2021, the first year that online gambling was legal in Michigan. That's a lot of cheddar. But what does Holy Mother Church say about this phenomenon? Can a Catholic in good standing place a wager on a game? How much is too much? And are there sins to be avoided? That's what we'll find out in this week's episode. So stay tuned, pull up a bar stool, and go all in with us. You might even get lucky and learn something. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Find all episodes at DetroitCatholic.com or subscribe to Detroit Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Michigan Catholic Conference. Visit micatholic.org forward slash sign up to join the Catholic Advocacy Network. You'll receive email updates and action steps to have your Catholic voice heard on bills in the Michigan House and Senate that impact human dignity and the common good. Sports. Since the days of the ancient Greeks, it's been part of human culture. For more than 3,000 years, people have engaged in competitive, well, anything, really. There's hurling in ancient Scotland, gymnastics and bullfighting in Greece, archery in ancient Egypt. Even 15,000-year-old cave paintings in France appear to depict competitive wrestling and sprinting matches long before the time of Abraham. So it's fair to say sports is just something that's ingrained in human nature. People learn by playing on a team, they learn how to be part of something larger than themselves. So we're kind of introduced to the, you know, to the reality of community. It's something that, that the popes have emphasized that sport can be a context for encounters between people from different cultures or socioeconomic backgrounds, races, different religious traditions. This is Father Patrick Kelly, a Jesuit priest and associate professor of religious studies at the University of Detroit Mercy. 
Father Kelly is something of an expert on sports and spirituality. In 2012, he wrote a book titled Catholic Perspectives on Sports, From Medieval to Modern Times. And he's written and edited dozens of articles and book chapters on sports, spirituality, and theology. Father Kelly's expertise on the subject led him to be invited to help edit the first ever Vatican document on sports called Giving the Best of Yourself produced in 2018 by the Dicastery for the Laity, Family, and Life. But Father Kelly's interest in sports isn't just academic. While a student at Bishop Borges High School in Redford, Father Kelly played football and basketball, and he was pretty good. He even went on to play collegiate ball as a free safety for Grand Valley State University. My uh, interest was kind of trying to understand what sport is in terms of, you know, human cultural phenomenon. Why why is it enjoyable, for example? What What's what is enjoyment, and um, and how does it lead to human well-being and flourishing on the one hand, or perhaps the human diminishment, you know, desolation, which affects meaning on the other hand. Vince Lombardi once said, Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. So is winning and the euphoria associated with vanquishing one's opponent what makes sports enjoyable? Not if you ask St. John Paul II, Father Kelly says. The, the, the proper end of sport is the human person. And uh, John Paul II quoted, he was giving a talk and he he's quoted this something called the Sportsman Manifesto. I, I don't have that document right in front of me, but it's something to the effect of the person, human person doesn't exist to serve sport, but sport should serve the human person. For young people especially, Father Kelly says sports can teach valuable lessons about teamwork, dealing with conflict, and working with others from different backgrounds. And yes, winning can be fun if it's done with good sportsmanship. But even youth sports aren't free from the forces that seek to monetize and glamorize sports as a means to other ends. And it starts from a young age. The skilled kids get more playing time while the bench warmers are marginalized. Soon, travel teams are involved. Additional sports and activities cease. Businesses sponsor teams, and the best players start thinking about the pros. Colleges recruit with full-ride scholarships and dreams of on-field glory and off-the-field adulation from students and fans. All of a sudden, it's not just about the game. If we don't have an understanding of this, then sport becomes more vulnerable to being viewed only as a means to an end to usually, you know, external goods like money or prestige or those kind of things. So, so for example, it's possible for families or kids to begin to think of sports only in terms of college scholarship, you know, it's an instrumental way of thinking about it. Or it can be viewed maybe by people who, who administer universities as, as a means to the ends that the university has in mind, like increased exposure in the media, increased application, and um, or even we might say uh, nation states can view sports success as a means to their own agenda. Gambling is a form of that, Father Kelly says. While the gambler might also be a fan, placing money on the outcome removes the game from its communal context. In other words, it becomes about the individual and what he or she might gain from it rather than the team or community. The better is removed from the game itself in some way. The attention is kind of removed from, uh, 
from the game. So you're you're kind of you know you're 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 paying attention to what you're going to get out of it, and in terms of financial reward. Whereas if one of the if one of the values of sport has to do with community, as we've been talking about. Furthermore, it's important for fans not to forget the humanity of the players on the field, even if they are multimillionaires. Father Kelly added. In other words, no rooting for injuries or wishing ill on people for the sake of a bet. But while gambling might take away from the purity of the game, so to speak, we haven't yet asked the critical question. Is it immoral? According to Jesuit Father Peter Ryan, professor of moral theology and Blessed Michael J. McGivney Chair of Life Ethics at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, the answer is, it depends. The church teaches that it is not intrinsically evil to gamble, but has certain caveats about that. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, in paragraph 2413, says this, Games of chance or wagers are not in themselves contrary to justice. They become morally unacceptable when they deprive someone of what is necessary to provide for his needs and for those of others. Furthermore, it says, the passion for gambling risks becoming an enslavement. The Catechism says elsewhere, in paragraph 2404, that a person's goods aren't merely his own, Father Ryan points out. Rather, good Christian stewardship demands that a person consider how his resources can be used to help others as well. This quotation from the Catechism is making it clear that now we don't just what we have, our possessions are not just for us, and even not just for our families, although, you know, we have to be concerned about ourselves and our families first and foremost, and providing for needs, but excess wealth is meant to be used to help other people. So we should not gamble excessive amounts we can only gamble reasonably what we can afford to lose. And that means not only making sure that you don't fail to provide for your own and your family's legitimate needs, but making sure you don't fail to use your excess wealth in ways that will benefit others. So you don't necessarily need to go to confession for participating in your parish's 50-50 raffle or the weekly bingo buy-in. Right, Father? No, not at all. Not at all. That's perfectly, that's perfectly acceptable. I mean, you know, I mean, if you've got a, you know, there's, there's also, it's also the case that like a raffle or a lottery can be a way of donating funds and raising funds for some, you know, a church, a charitable organization, some, some other worthy purpose. Um, that can be a reasonable way to go about raising money, but yet they. Even churches need to make sure they're doing it in a way that's not giving scandal and uh, are not maybe also you don't want to sponsor those activities in a way that will lead people to risk more than they should from the point of view of their own responsibilities. But assuming a person doesn't gamble too much and they're doing so with an eye toward responsible stewardship and Christian charity— a friendly wager can be a way to enhance community, Father Ryan says. You know, gambling can intensify interest 
and participation in various things. So you're watching a sports game, you're finding, you're finding it more interesting, and people kind of get involved and excited about it. It can make your involvement more gratifying. And, you know, there's a, that, that can be good if it's a really genuinely recreative activity. Good recreation is a humanly good thing. And so enhancing that is a good thing, and gambling can enhance that. But there are certain norms, I say, that accompany that. So, for example, obviously, they need to make sure they're not violating the law. They also need to make sure that what they're, what they're risking is uh, they can afford to lose. So they can only really rightly wager modest amounts that, um, they, that will enable them to fulfill their responsibilities even if they lose the, the bet. Um, they also need to avoid you know, getting addicted to gambling and gambling in a way that scandalizes others. But um, when, those, when those norms are met, um, then there's nothing wrong with gambling and uh, friends competing in games of skill might bet on their performance. Uh, coworkers or neighbor, neighbors may operate a pool to wager against one another. But what happens when the gambling becomes overwhelming? When too much is on the line, when does a simple hobby turn into an addiction? That's where prayer and support groups are key, says Jeff Hendrich, president and CEO of Guest House, a residential treatment facility for clergy and religious in Lake Orion. Jeff and his team offer help for individuals struggling with substance abuse and other addictive behaviors such as gambling, so he knows the warning signs. All addictions start out with socially acceptable behavior. We start to talk about them as an addiction when they cause the people that are involved in the gambling behavior to do things that are contrary to our faith. That might include lying about where I'm going, spending money that I should be spending on something else, embezzling money to support my gambling habit not being with my family because I'm too busy gambling. So it isn't the gambling itself that becomes the necessarily the problem. It's the, it's the other behaviors attached to it that become very problematic. Just like drinking or smoking, gambling is a vice that in and of itself isn't a sin, but creeps into that territory when there are other signs. Missing payments on bills, having chronic money problems, or spending countless hours on a gambling app. The first sign is, is that regardless of the addiction, the person spends more and more time doing it. Um, and then it begins to involve the other resources in their life besides their time. Um, that includes money and attention. As it starts to become more of a problem, we begin to see somebody becomes almost obsessive that they don't schedule other things because they want to drink or they want to gamble, that they start not doing the positive things that they used to do, um, being with their family, um, regular forms of recreation, and they start to focus solely on what is becoming an addictive behavior. Hendricks said only 1% of the adult population experiences gambling problems in their lifetime. But for those under 21, that number jumps to 10%. 
I would attribute that to two things. Um, the first one is, is that gambling is a risky behavior. You have to be willing take, to take risks in order to gamble. And um, younger people are not as adverse to risk as older people are. Predictably, cases of gambling addiction are on the rise. According to the Lansing State Journal, calls to Michigan problem gambling hotline nearly doubled between February 2020, when sports betting was legalized in the state, and February 2021. When I was young, if you wanted to gamble, you had to go to Las Vegas or Atlantic City. That's just not the case anymore. You can gamble on your smartphone. And the young people in this country are so much more comfortable with being able to do their recreation and interact with the world on their cell phones. Hendrich says people who suffer from addiction need to build a strong support team, friends, family, and faith, to overcome the addiction. Usually, this starts when a loved one begins a difficult conversation. I would absolutely, positively, always stick with the facts, the things that you know, and that you don't speculate. Coming to somebody and saying, I know that you're a gambling addict will be very ineffective. Approaching somebody with love and saying, I'm concerned about you, and there appear to be some money problems here that we need to talk about. Or I've noticed that you are gone several nights a week when you used to be home, and I don't understand what's happening. So rather than drawing conclusions, you bring the facts and the, the verifiable things that you know, and you, you, you ask the person that you're concerned about to try and explain for you what it is that's going on in their life. Like anything in the Christian life, a person must weigh the temptation to sin against the legitimate pleasures one might receive. And if a person knows they have a tendency toward addictive behaviors, it's wise to avoid tempting oneself at all, Father Ryan says. You want to make sure you've got a good reason for gambling whenever you do. On the other hand, you know, if a person has had a problem gambling in the past or maybe knows himself to be particularly inclined toward addiction, that maybe he should be I mean, especially someone who's had a problem in the past, you know, you, getting, getting the, you know, the adrenaline moving uh, might be a source of temptation for him that would be not appropriate for him to, to uh, you know, allow. So he should avoid the temptation. Gambling should not prevent a person from meeting his obligations to support himself, his family, you know, pay his debts, meet his other responsibilities, and uh, give to the poor. Even beyond the dangers of addiction, says Father Kelly, it's wise to ask whether gambling is even worth it at all. Ignatius of Loyola would likely have us ask, how do we feel uh, after, you know, we, we, in this case, after we get immersed in gambling on sports uh, contests? Uh, does it leave us feeling uh, joyful and, uh, you know, is adding meaning to our life or does it leave us feeling dry and, and dissatisfied? 
and or or even worse if 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 I'm developing an addiction, you know, leave me feeling in real desolation perhaps down the road. Um, for Ignatius, those are very important things to pay attention to. Like many things in the Catholic life, it all comes down to discernment, moderation, and prudence. Gambling included. So filling out a bracket in the office pool or buying a few Super Bowl squares is fine. Placing a bet on the Lions might be inadvisable, but it can be within moral bounds. It's worth remembering, Hendrich adds, that while the thrill of victory is temporary, in the end, the house always wins. The bottom line? Never forget what's most important. We never underestimate the power of prayer. Anything that the faithful Catholics are struggling with needs to be taken to your prayer life. After that, we look at the fact that as Catholics, we're called to community. And who is it in person in my community that I can turn to for assistance with this? And the standard that I use, and I talked about it earlier, is um, am I following my beliefs? Is this behavior causing me to lie? Is this behavior causing me to cheat? Is this behavior causing me to steal? Is it taking a time away from my faith? And so I use the, the, the Christian values as the um, barometer of whether this behavior is causing problems for me. Putting faith first. That's always a solid bet. Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Michigan Catholic Conference. Visit micatholic.org forward slash sign up to join the Catholic Advocacy Network. You'll receive email updates and action steps to have your Catholic voice heard on bills in the Michigan House and Senate that impact human dignity and the common good.